What is up, guys? Welcome back to Chatter from the Cheap Seats, the podcast where we talk about sports, life, and everything in between. I am Jack. Sitting next to me is Sammy and Ori. We're going to have a banger of an episode today. Sammy, how are you doing? I'm doing very good. It's a nice long weekend for us. So it's we had school off Friday, and today is President's Day, so we get school off. That's been very nice. I've been able to get some stuff done, and just, just being able to chill for a little bit is very well appreciated how about you Rory? how are you doing yeah same here i really enjoyed the the time off from school i i did some bullpen throwing with rap soto you guys know what that is right where did you find a rap soto rap soto i have a person that i work with and at their complex they have rap soda so yeah. it's pretty cool, cool. yeah it's, it's right? awesome now when you guys have mondays off because of like a long weekend or whatever do you guys also get wednesdays off or no no. Yeah, so, we don't that, too. Yeah. And I've kind of grown to hate four-day weekends or three-day weekends because then it means we have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday straight. And I kind of like the Wednesdays because you have a break. You know, you don't – it splits up the school week. It's very nice. And I just find – I don't yeah, know. Cool. I'm kind of kind of hate three-day weekends now, which is kind of crazy. I never <laughs> thought it would come to that point. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I've never really thought of it like that. But yeah, I guess we do have to kind of sacrifice our Wednesday day off for Monday. There's still no better feeling than when you don't realize that you have a three-day weekend and you remember that you don't have school that Monday. That's the greatest feeling. That is the greatest feeling in the world. But Sammy, I mean, there's some big free agents that are coming up in football and some big moves that were made. The Houston Texans continue to be the most depressing organization in sports. (laughs) They released J.J. Watt. So, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Where do you think are some potential landing spots for J.J. Watt? For me, I think the two big ones are the Steelers and the Bucks. I think the Steelers, obviously, his bro- both his brothers play for the Steelers. I think it makes sense for the Steelers from an organizational standpoint because they lost Bud Dupree. And I think yeah. that was kind of the downfall of the Steelers' season. You know, they start off with the eight straight wins. Bud Dupree gets hurt. They have a couple more injuries on defense. And then everything just goes downhill from there. I yeah. think J.J. Watt can kind of replace him, and maybe that's the missing piece they need. I think the Bucks. I mean, their defense would be incredible. Levante David, Devin White, Shaq Barrett, JPP. Could you imagine if they added J.J. Watt, who is nowhere near the player he once was, but he's yeah. still an he's still- impact, impact player. And then the other two, the other three spots that I think make sense are the Packers, the yeah. Ravens, and the Cowboys. Well, yeah, Packers, unfortunately, our name, I'm kind of like, he could go to the Packers because I think they'd really love to have another edge rusher to kind of pair with uh, Zadarius Smith. Um, that would be really important for the Packers because obviously that offense has been overpowering and, you know, the defense has been good, but to add a JJ Watt caliber guy that, that would really help to improve um, that front seven, uh, you know, Zadarius Smith and JJ Watt would automatically make uh, their pass rush, I think, top 10 in football, maybe even better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think J.J. Watt, whatever team he goes on, is going to have a pretty big impact. Um, 
because he's going to be extremely motivated. And I don't think he was too motivated on the Texans, which is um, it's not an easy thing to be motivated on a team that, you know, wants to lose. And he's also a very vocal guy, big locker room guy. So I think he's going to be a great impact for whatever team he goes to. I'm hoping he doesn't go to the Steelers. But in my opinion, I think that's probably the most likely landing spot for him at this point. I agree with that. But I think the narrative that, you know, his brothers play for them makes sense for the J.J. Watt standpoint. But I think people don't realize, like, the Steelers have to want him too. So I think if the Steelers didn't want J.J. Watt, I, I think there is no there would be no chance that he ends up there. However, I think there is, right. you know, mutual interest on both sides, so it does make sense. Now, the wide receiver market is very interesting because there are some yeah. teams that have high draft picks that I mean, this is a pretty pretty good wide receiver draft. It's it's not like last year, but you know, you still got Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase. You know, there's some teams yeah. that are gonna draft a wide receiver and run with it. However, there are also some very high-impact wide receiver free agents on the market. So let's just start off with Allen Robinson. Sammy, I know this one hits close to home for you. Where do you think are some potential landing spots for him? I think number one obviously has to be the Chicago Bears. I think the Bears, a long-term deal might be tricky. I think Robinson has been kind of frustrated with the talks. You know, he's made tweets talking about how he feels like the Bears should have gotten something done a long time ago. But – I think the Bears really, really want and need him. Uh, I I think Darnell Mooney is good, but he's not a number one wide receiver. If the Bears want to be competitive, they're going to have to keep him. I could possibly see a franchise tag. Um, In terms of other teams, I know you got the Colts who are looking for maybe another wide receiver to pair with T.Y. Hilton. Or what other team do you think Robinson? Because, I mean, there are a lot of wide receivers and a lot of teams that uh, probably, possibly new wide receivers. I mean, you also have the Dolphins, the Patriots. So where do you think, where do you think Robinson's going to end up? I personally think Chicago's going to get him back, but maybe that's a little biased. Yeah. I mean, as Jack was saying, this, this free agency wide receiver class is absolutely loaded. I mean, you, you have um, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay. So two top, top receivers as well as Chris Godwin. So, I mean, just very, very talented. It's going to be interesting to see where they go. Allen Robinson specifically, um, I mean, it's just going to be tough. I think whichever one of these big three receivers goes first, like if let's say Allen Robinson, you know, signs very quickly with the Bears, then I think a bunch of teams are going to start scrambling for those other big receivers. So it's going to be interesting to see who pulls the trigger first on these receivers and um, which team it will be. Right now, I think teams that really need a wide receiver, like it should be their top priority is a team like the Patriots who have a good defense. If they get those guys coming back who opted out last season, you get one or two receivers, maybe one in the draft, one in free agency. And I don't know what you would do with Cam Newton, but you need something on that offense. So I think the Patriots are going to be really looking for one of these receivers, Um, but we'll see who pulls the trigger first and if it will be. Um, the Patriots. I see where you're coming at from a Patriots standpoint. However, I think the thing that you have to remember with the Patriots is they don't have a quarterback. So until they address that, I don't think there's yeah. much that like expectation wise you can really set for them because Cam Newton is horrendous. But I'm just going to talk about the wide receiver class from a general standpoint. So I'm not talking about specifically Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay. I'm talking about like the big three, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, and Chris Godwin as a whole here. Yeah. 
I think that, I mean, there are some obviously interchangeable landing spots for them. I think the Patriots make sense. I think the Jets also are in desperate need of a wide receiver, and they also have a ton of cap room. So I think no matter what, out of Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, and who else am I forgetting? I mean, you also have, you know. I think the Jets end up with one of them. I think the Giants are another team that are going to be interested. I don't know if they end up signing any of them. uh, But I think, and obviously, you can't take out of the equation the teams that already have them. So you can't take out Allen Robinson back to the Bears. You can't take out Chris Godwin back to the Bucks. You know, you obviously have to keep those in mind. But I think the Giants, I mentioned them earlier, they're a very interesting scenario because – they're kind of they're, they have four big needs for the offseason. A wide receiver, re-signing Leonard Williams, re-signing Dan, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then also an edge rusher. And I think they can address if they address three of them, it's a good offseason. I think let's just start off with wide receiver. You know, they could obviously have one fall to them in the draft. I think if they do draft a wide receiver, I think maybe Devontae Smith falls to them. I don't think that's very likely. I, I've seen uh, yeah, that around floating around a couple in a couple of places, but I don't think they, I don't think a wide receiver is going to fall to them in the draft, but you can't take it out of, you can't say it's not a possibility. Yeah. So I think if they get, you know, three out of the four needs addressed, whether it's through the draft or free agency, I think that's a good off season for them. Now, another landing spot for some of these wide receivers, I don't really think we talked about too much. Uh, the Dolphins, I think would be very interesting for any of these guys, because uh, obviously they had like a very good surprise year. they, barely missed the playoffs unfortunately for Dolphins fans and maybe the push that they need is to really kind of flesh out that offense is another wide receiver because Devontae Parker is you know their number one guy you love him you know he's really making a case to be you know a top 15 guy maybe now maybe in the future but I think if they could add one of these guys who's a little bit more proven um, that automatically makes that offense uh, really really explosive because I think you already like what you're seeing a lot from Tua. I think you're going to see growth from Tua. Maybe you get Deshaun Watson, but I don't. I think people are kind of writing that off at this point. Um, you know, Matt Brieta had a pretty good year when he wasn't hurt. So I, I like a lot of the things about this Miami offense, and I feel like adding a wide receiver out of this free agent class could really help boost them and maybe keep them competitive for next year. I don't think yeah, it's Yeah, I totally to say that um oh go ahead Ori I'll edit I'll edit this out. Oh okay. All right, I guess I'll just go. So yeah, I totally agree with you, Sammy. I think that the Dolphins are really gonna go all in with Tua, give him, you know, a good offensive line. I think they could really be in the looks for drafting uh, one of the top tackles or guards in this draft. And then I think they're going to go out and grab a top receiver in this free agency class um, because they really want to surround Tua with the best pieces to make sure that he's the true, he's the true guy. They're not going to be doing for his career. They want, um, they want a, Tua to lead this team and the way to see if he can do that is by surrounding him with talent and I think they will do that this free agency because then I I agree with that because then you're giving him no giving him no excuses now it's like all right your offense is good you have no excuses you know that defense has already been proven to be uh, capable of being good I'm sure they'll probably address that even more this offseason they're trying to make sure that Tua has no excuses not to win so they know all right if we're not winning 
we got to address this. We got to fix the quarterback thing. We two is not the answer. Um, I think it's really kind of like a science experiment. They're trying to take out all other variables and be like, all right, Tua, are you the guy? And that's really where they are right now. I, I think it's interesting because if he is the guy, Dolphins could be a scary team. Uh, don't think they're going to be able to take down the Bills for next year. I mean, anything could happen, but um, I think they'll be looking on a, at a playoff spot for sure if things go to plan this offseason. I agree with you. And I don't think it's fair to talk about, you know, the NFL offseason without mentioning the quarterback market and the possibilities of trades. We mentioned earlier in a previous episode, Carson Wentz. I feel like the Carson Wentz to the Bears rumors have died down a little bit, but I think they can spark back up at any moment. So, Sammy, what are your thoughts just on the quarterback market as a whole? Because it is crazy. Yeah, I think we could see a lot of guys um, – a lot of guys being shipped around this offseason. And what I've kind of learned here these first few, you know, two weeks or so, don't take anything un- until it's like set in stone because it kind of seemed like Carson Wentz was surely going to the Bears. Uh, it was like maybe a week and a half ago or something. And reports were basically saying, all right, Carson Wentz is heading to Chicago. Nick Foles and Tariq Cohen are heading to Philadelphia. And I was kind of like, oh, God, it's happening. But uh, here we are a week and a half later. Hasn't happened. Tariq Cohen later that day posted on his Twitter, I believe, that he wasn't getting traded. Like, he talked to the GM. Wasn't happening. So I think we have to be very cautious with what we believe because a lot of stuff is going to come out. You know, some of it may not be true. Some of it may not be credible. And I feel like just don't overexcite yourself because I got, ex- I got like kind of scared that night because I don't, you know, obviously I don't think anyone really wants Carson Wentz. So I was kind of like, oh man. And I was just going through my head, but you know, so far nothing has happened yet. Uh, in terms of some other quarterbacks, I, I mentioned Nick Foles, who um, he got to start some games this year. It wasn't too great uh, with the exception of a game where he beat the Bucks, which was still don't believe how that happened, but um he could possibly get shipped with the bears uh, trying to invest money in maybe a free agent quarterback. Uh, Nick, uh, I already talked about Carson Wentz. I think Jimmy Garoppolo 49ers don't seem too thrilled about trading him. I think their, their price is very high and Deshaun Watson, of course, um, I just kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo, the chances are not looking very likely, but you know, if training camps come and Deshaun Watson doesn't show up, it might just be a situation where he doesn't really leave Houston much choice. So it's very interesting. A lot could happen. You also have Dak Prescott, who is a free agent. Uh, I, I believe that he's going to get franchise tagged. I think that's kind of the belief around the league right now. But, you know, we have to just kind of let things play out because anything could happen. You know, I think – we just kind of have to wait, let the offseason play out. Yeah, I agree with you there. So that is kind of the free agents part. Um, we have some other trade candidates. Um, Jack, did you want to highlight any of the ones that are kind of floating around right now? Yeah, I mean, Stephon Gilmore is an option. I don't think Geno Atkins gets moved. Uh, he's on our list here. I think Evan Ingram, the only way Evan Ingram gets moved if, is if the Giants draft Kyle Pitts in the draft. We already touched up. Yeah. on the quarterback market. I think there are a lot of trade candidates that don't necessarily need to get moved. You know, I think teams 
you know, if they, if there's an opportunity that arises, they do trade them. I think if not, they just sit still. I think I'm not necessarily talking about the quarterback market. I think that's a whole different animal here. Yeah. But speaking of some moves that did happen, Sammy, let's move on to baseball because we did have some moves. Yadier Molina yeah. signs one year, $9 million back with the Cardinals. I mean, I think everyone knew he was going to resign with the Cardinals. Yeah. You know, there's no way this was a legacy signing. I think the $9 million was was sort of a payment for what he's done in the past a little bit. Oh, Jonathan yeah. VR to the Mets. And Sammy, I love this move. I think Jonathan, Jonathan VR is so underrated. He had a bad 2020, but you know, you know, my viewpoint on 2020, I throw it out the window, whether you have a good 2020 or a bad 2020, but back in 2019, I mean, he had a 792 uh, OPS with the Orioles, but he also can steal some bases, you know? He stole yeah. 40 bases. So he's a guy where, you know, if you haven't – a 792 is a good OPS, but add that with 40 stolen bases, you know, he's a dangerous player. He plays good defense. I yes. think that's a great depth piece for the Mets. I agree. It's a very – I mean, because he's – I think he's capable of starting on a lot of other teams. He's a great depth piece because he can play outfield. He plays middle infield. He's very fast. He led the league in stolen bases in 2016, which is, I didn't even really know that until I was looking on his baseball reference. So he's a very impressive player, a very impressive depth piece. And if I'm the Mets, it's a very exciting signing because he's also been a very steady offensive player through most of his career. So he's, very a very good depth piece, one of the more underrated uh, depth pieces on the market, and the Mets got him for a pretty low price. Also, uh, like only three point something million dollars. So, I like it for the Mets. It's a very good move. Yeah, I think that the Mets. I mean, the Mets are building towards the future here, and absolutely another team that's built into the future is the Marlins. I love what Derek Jeter is doing. You know. They signed Adam Duvall, who he had an 833 OPS in 2020, which, like I said, I throw out the window. But, you know, he's a power hitter. I think he's a, he's a veteran-type guy because, I mean, the Marlins have a lot of young guys in that yeah. locker room. I think the Marlins pitching is ready to win now. Like, I believe that. I think Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara, yeah. uh, they, have, they have some legitimate pitching options. I think it's going to be tough in the NL East just because of how stacked that division is. Yeah. I don't think they're going to compete this year, but I love what Derek Jeter is doing. I'm building towards the future. Another team, Sammy, that's building towards the future is the Kansas City Royals. And, you know, yeah. I'm just pouring on the love today, but I, I love what they did. They, they got Andrew Benatendi in a three-team deal. So the Royals receive Andrew Benatendi and cash considerations. The Mets receive Khalil Lee. And the Red Sox re- receive – Frank, Frankie uh, Frankie Cordero yeah. and three players to be named later, plus Josh Winowski, who um they recently acquired from Toronto in the match trade. Uh, however, Fra- Frankie Cordero is kind of the big centerpiece in this deal, and he's a guy where, you know, he's got everybody raves about his his uh potential. You know, his exit velocity is off the charts, but he's he hasn't been able to put it together yet. Just on the Royals standpoint of the deal. I like how they're a team that might not compete this year necessarily, but they're not just going flat out rebuild. You know, they're they're trying to stay competitive. Yeah, I, I think the Royals, they're a team that could kind of surprise some people. I, I the pitching is 
not good. Uh, you know, not going to sugarcoat that. It's they don't have a rotation really. They don't have a good bullpen. But offensively, uh, they could very well be a top ten team in baseball. When you think they have Soler, who's going to be bringing power. Last full season we had, he led the league in home runs. Uh, Bienintendi, who has a ton of upside, and he hasn't quite shown that power yet in the big leagues. But he's hit for uh, he's hit, gotten on base. He's hit for uh, average, and I think the power could come for Bienintendi. Um, you know, you also have Whit Merrifield. You have a lot of guys who I really like. Santana, who they brought in earlier this offseason. Um, the Royals could surprise a lot of people. I think they're surprisingly deep offensively. I think they have a lot of star power. Um, I don't think they're in a position to win now because of the pitching, but this Bienintendi move is a nice one. It's good for Kansas City. Uh, for Boston, I kind of don't really understand the move. Uh, Bienintendi was like, he's really their high, most highly touted prospect uh, for the past few years. Like I said, the power wasn't really there. And he hasn't quite worked out as they maybe thought he would, but he was still a pretty good hitter. And I just don't understand why they would trade him away this early in his career. I like Frankie Cordero. I think he also has a lot of upside, but Bienintendi, I think, has been more steady. And, you know, for the Red Sox, a team, I think, still trying to compete, I'd rather have the guy who's been more steady with a little less upside than who still has a lot of upside than uh, Frankie Cordero, who, yes, could turn out to be incredible, but also has really struggled at the major league level so far. Yeah, I mean, I think this deal is really interesting because you don't see this too often, a team that isn't really going to compete right away, um, like the Kansas City Royals, but they're still going out there and they're still acquiring pieces that are going to help them win now and win in the future. So in that aspect, I really do like it. I, I agree with you, Sam. I really don't understand this from the Red Sox perspective. Yeah. I thought, um, you know, Ben Intendi was kind of a cornerstone of that team and the a future of that team. Um, you know, he plays in electric left field when he had that diving catch in the playoffs. I mean, he, he's electric watching him play. And I thought he would be a piece for the Red Sox for many years to come, but that's not the case. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what those three players are that aren't named yet. Maybe yeah. we could see a big prospect. I don't know if we will, I doubt though. It. Usually, yeah. yeah. They would have been named. And just to play devil's advocate for a minute here, uh, for the Red Sox point of view, I think that, you know, Andrew Benatendi is a guy, he had a bad second half of 2019, and he had a bad 2020. And in reality, I mean, he was hurt, so it was only 50 right. games or so. But I think they're a team where they're not trying to compete. They're in rebuild mode. I think Bloom has made that abundantly clear, and I think that they're trying to shed as much salary as possible because that's the new age of baseball. But I, I love this move for the Royals. Yeah. And, you know, same, your Cubbies, your Cubs. Jake Marisnik, one year, $1.5 million. You know, it's a bit of a flyer move, but he was tremendous in 2020. He was very good in 2020, and he is a great defensive center fielder, and um, that's really why the Cubs are getting him. We lost Albert Almora, who was kind of our guy that we go to. Didn't work out offensively, despite being a first-round draft pick, but he always had that solid glove. He was great in the outfield. Marisnik is kind of replacing that. And funnily enough, Almora is going to the Mets. Marisnik's going to the Cubs. So kind of a swap there. But um, yeah, I like the deal. It just kind of adds defensive depth for the Cubs. And the Cubs were the best defensive team in baseball last year. So 
they're looking to stay at that level. I mean, with the Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, who's one of the best defensive first basemen in the game. You have Ian Happ, who's improving, and Marisnik, a good uh, depth piece. I like it. And the Cubs also made another move. Makes me very happy as a Cubs fan. Jake Arrieta is back in cubby blue. He is returning to the Cubs on a one-year, $6 million deal. And I'll be honest, I think out of all of the free agents that were out on the market, I think the Cubs wanted Arietta the most, and they got him. I, I think he's a guy who's obviously struggled since he's been in Philadelphia, besides really that first year. But I think that is a few things. I think, one, it's injuries. He's obviously been very injury-prone, which is an issue in itself, but it's kind of an excuse. I, I say you can't look at those numbers too closely because he's been very hurt. And I was listening to Cubs podcast, and they were kind of talking about how there were adjustments that he wanted to make, uh, one of which being he wanted to throw his sinker low despite uh, the league is kind of going in the opposite direction. You don't see too many guys doing that anymore. And the Philadelphia uh, pitching coaches let him do that, and that's where he got burned a lot of the time. So with these Cubs pitching coaches, what the guys in this podcast were saying is that they can make that adjustment. And Arietta, he's had success in Chicago. He'll probably trust those guys more maybe stop throwing that sinker low and stuff like that. I think the Cubs have, uh, with Tommy Hadovy, uh, much better pitching coaches than Philadelphia. And if he can avoid injuries, stay healthy, he's not going to get back to his 2015, 2014 form, but he could be a solid four or five starter. And that's what they want, not to mention the nostalgia effects. Uh, I love seeing uh, the beard back in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that move by any means. I think baseball, you know, you've seen a lot of pitchers go for, you know, throwing the fastball up in the zone, uh, throwing their breaking balls low in the zone, you know, get that high spin rate, spin rate up, big, big deal in baseball nowadays. Oh, yeah. So I think if the if the Cubs analytic system or analytic front office, um, if the Cubs analytical team can help, Jake Arrieta get back to that point where he's throwing that fastball up in the zone, even though it is a sinker. I think I think there's some there's some upside there. I really do. Now, Jay Bruce to the Yankees is another move that you know it was a minor league deal. It's not a huge deal. If he's bad, you know they cut him. It's not a big deal. If he's good, I think the best possible scenario is that he replaces Mike Ford as sort of their backup first baseman, can play yeah. some outfield. You know he's got power. But, yeah, so I think that's kind of the upside for him. Yeah, and then another big move, probably the biggest move of this – or, no, there are two big moves that we have yet to talk about. First of all, James Paxton, New York Yankee. He's heading back to where he started. He's heading back to Seattle, one year, $8.5 million. And I think Paxton – I doubt Seattle was his first choice. I bet he would have loved to go back to New York. Um, obviously, he, I'm sure he'd rather compete than – be on the Mariners, but I think the good news for him is that he'll probably be towards the front of that rotation. He'll get a lot of innings if he can stay healthy, and it's a chance for him to maybe show that he's worth even more money. So you know, it's only a one-year deal. Once he gets, uh, once he reaches free agency again next year, you know, maybe he'll be earning more money. Maybe he'll want a long-term deal. So this is really Paxton saying, "All right, here's a chance. I'm going to try and prove myself here. The Mariners aren't a good team." I'm just going to go out here, compete, and show these contenders that I'm worth a long-term deal. And 
I, I don't know if he'll earn it. You know, I, Paxton, uh, you know, I, I think the Cubs were looking at him as well uh, in terms of starting pitchers. So he's a fun guy, and I, I like the deal. I, I think he'll – he's definitely looking to earn more money, though, once his contract is up. Last but not least, definitely not least, though, Justin Turner. Back Big earns. to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Two years, $34 million deal. What do you guys think of this? I think – I've been saying this all offseason – I don't think there was anywhere else that Justin Turner was really going to go. I think he wanted to be back in Los Angeles. I think the Dodgers and, of course, the fans wanted him back, and they got him back. And that was, I think, you know, besides maybe getting Bauer, one of their huge priorities this offseason, and they got it done. They checked it off the list. Yeah, I mean, they really just said, we don't care about the luxury tax. They were totally okay (laughs) with, I mean, absolutely blowing through it. But I like the move because, you know, they want to stay relevant. They want to keep winning. They just won a World Series after having a few heartbreaking losses in the playoffs. And they want to go back. They want to keep winning. And I think it's really cool to see this team staying relevant, staying at the top of the league, um, no matter the cost, really. I agree with that. I think, you know, it's a great move. I love how he broke it himself on Twitter. I thought that was cool, you know. I, I, I don't like the baseball reporters. Only baseball reporter I like is Jake Storiali. Putting that out there I now, talking Rosenthal. to you. You got to love Rosenthal. I, I don't. I, like I, I just don't like any. I really think that it's such a petty game. Like, like oh, I was first. I was first. I, I don't like it. But, Sammy, it is time for Jack's dumb Twitter cake. Okay. Is it? All right. It is. And this time, it's not a dumb Twitter cake. It's an insightful Twitter cake. So, it is time for Jack's insightful Twitter wow. cake. Of the day. <laughs> so I saw this on Talking Yanks. Now, Ronis Chapman does not have the best history in the postseason. He has blown, you know, the Mike Brasso homer was a huge deal. The Altuve homer was a huge deal. And then also in the Cubs 2016. Yeah. yeah. Who, who was that? Um, God. Uh, I'm literally blanking. Jose Ramirez, that? right? No, it was. No? Um, oh, oh. Um, uh, how am I blanking on it? But it wasn't Coco Crisp. Um, no, no, it was. Um, I'm literally blank. I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, so Rodis yeah. Chapman has been dynamite in the postseason. If you just take a step back and look at the games that he's pitched, he's pitched 17 playoff games for the Yankees. Right now, in that time, he's allowed a run in three of these postseason outings. Obviously, two of them have been huge, but in three of these <laughs> postseason outings. Chapman has a 1.71 ERA with 30 strikeouts in 21 innings with six saves and zero blown saves. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean that's, that's so great I think and all, narrative. but, like, when, 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 you, when you're giving up home runs and the biggest moments in, like, game five last year and then in no, game I agree seven with that. I agree with that. I, I, I mean, think <laughs> that the narrative that he's a bad postseason pitcher yeah. is overblown. Now, speaking over- of the Yankees – Let's get to the AL East predictions and previews. It yeah. is that time of the year. Everyone give it a clap. Clap it up. All right, yes. You know, I am <laughs> hyped for this. We are ready, Sammy. Why don't you start us off? I do, and, you know, it's weird. I feel like we literally just did this for 2020. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Time flies, but here we are doing our second uh, second annual uh, po- regular season predictions for second MLP. Second annual Regular season preview and predictions. Yes, yes. And uh, we're doing record predictions uh, 
Finally, our first 162-game season we'll be covering on Chatted from the Cheap Seats. Very exciting. But in fifth place, sorry to, to do it to you, Ori. But uh, I, I got the Orioles again, and I think they did show at the beginning of last year a lot of promise. I think the offense looked really good. I, I like Santander. And the fact that they were doing it all without Trey Mancini was very encouraging. I think the offense is going to be middle of the road or better. The pitching staff is why this team is just not ready to be successful. And I think in the future, they got some good guys in the farm system that they can develop. Uh, but as of now, you know, they got Jorge Lopez, who I like. John Means is a guy who had an all-star year in 2019, I think. So I like John Means, uh, but they're just, they don't really have like an ace, ace guy. I guess Means is kind of that guy but right now. What do you now. have their record at? I have the Orioles with 68 wins, 68 and 94. Oh, that's so, kind of hilarious. Do you me, have the same? Me and Sammy are always no twinsies. Way. <laughs> We're always twinsies. Do we, do we have the same exact record? Exactly same record. That's we did not like correspond this before. Like exact same. I have it in my notes. 68. Wow. In, in, in a in a sixty game in a sixty game season, that's a little easier to do. But in one hundred sixty two games, I mean, what are that's you crazy? Ah, I mean, come on, yeah, Jack. What are your thoughts on the Orioles? Fifth so, place, well. yeah. So I'm I had them in fifth place also. I have them sixty eight and ninety four. I think their lineup has a lot of potential. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you love Trey Mancini. I think Anthony Santander is a huge piece. Mountcastle and DJ Stewart are all nice pieces. They're young. They have a lot of talent in that farm system. Pedro Severino, I like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not that. I mean, he, piece, he, I, I, think he, I think he has some upside. Yeah, I agree. But they're pitching. I mean, when your best starter is John Means, who, you know, you will say that, oh, he had, a, he had, he had an all-star year in 2019. He had a 3.6 ERA in 2019. And the only oh. reason he was an all-star is because you have to have an all-star from every team, and he was the best players on the best player on the Orioles. So I feel like me, a three dot six ERA is not is not awful. But I mean, Good. when you're talking about your best pitcher, right? That's and, and in 2020. Now I know that I don't like bringing up 2020 stats, but he did have a five dot six FIP and a four dot five ERA. So he got lucky with a four dot five ERA. But I mean, their starting pitching is atrocious, and their bullpen is even worse than their starting pitching. Their bullpen, they do not have a – they had Michael Gibbons, who they traded away. And now, exactly. I mean, they have uh, – what's his name? Dylan Tate, I guess, is their only reliever that I can really see having a good year. Everyone else is just awful. I mean, their pitching is atrocious. Yeah. I mean, Orioles, I think they're definitely heading in the right direction. I like what's going on. Uh, but they're just not ready yet to – Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that statement. All right, so, um, yeah, I also have the Orioles here in fifth place. I have them with 71 wins. All right. That's fair. Um, That's fair. And I think it's because you guys are, are missing some stuff here. There's I mean, going to be young studs. I mean, what are we really missing? Yeah, but you guys, are bash, you guys are bashing this bullpen, which I don't think is going to be as bad as you say. Tanner Scott is on the come up. Dylan Tate is on the come up. These are all guys that are going to ball out this season. I feel it. Um, and then you have a bunch of young studs. You, uh, you know, as you said, we have Chance Sisko, who's a big catching prospect, and then obviously I mean, Pedro Severino, who had a really good 2020. Yeah. Um, Freddie Galvis, we signed. Rio Ruiz, who, again, is on the comp. Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes. We have a lot of young power on this offense. So I think the offense is going to carry this team. Um, the 71. But 
the pitching is not going to be as bad as as I think you guys are saying. Although it's not going to be enough to be over 500 with only 71 wins. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Yeah, I think I think the f- the future is definitely bright for the O's. Sammy, I have some good news for you. you or do? not, not Sammy, Ori. I have some good news for you. All right. I have a certain. I'm kind of a good luck charm for prospects. If I'm at a prospect's major league debut, he's gonna have a fantastic career. Okay. I I, I've been. I was at Lucas Giolito's debut, and I was at Trey Turner's debut, and I was also at Aaron Judge's debut. When you the Aaron Austin went back to back. So, you know, I'm, I have a great track record of being <laughs> at amazing baseball players' debuts. Now, I was at Austin Hayes' debut in 2017. So, I mean, you got to factor that in. That you got to put in the jack effect there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's a very, very important. Uh, that's a very valid point. Okay. Very valid point. Ori, do you want to give your fourth place team now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I have the Red Sox here. I don't think it's too surprising. Um, they made a few moves that I thought was good. You know, they're, they're staying relevant. Eduardo Rodriguez is coming back. They have a pretty good – I mean, not a really good bullpen, but, I mean, you got you have guys yeah. like Adam Avino. Um, yeah. But, you know, the real power on this team is through the offense with guys like Raphael Devers, Xander Bogarts. Um, but I don't think it's going to be enough to kind of carry this team. So I have them winning 76 games here, going 76 and 86, slightly above the O's. All right, Jack? Yeah, so, you know, I kind of agree with Ori. I have them going 78 and 84 as my fourth-place team, the Red Sox. I think their lineup is still very good. You know, their left side of the infield, I will take with about any left side of the infield in the major leagues, with Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts, who I think Xander Bogarts is one of the best shortstops in baseball. I think he's highly underrated. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you also – they signed Kiki Hernandez, Alex Verdugo, you know, is going to be great. However, their pitching is bad. But there is a world where, you know, Sales coming off the Tommy John, he, he, he comes back nicely. Erod and Evaldi have, have good years. So, I, don't, I think they're going to be better than people expect. But I don't think they're going to be great. I think their bullpen, Adam Adovino is a guy where I can see him getting flipped to a, to a um, competitive team at the deadline. So I don't, I don't know how competitive they're going to be, but I think they're going to be better than people think. All right, boys. Hot take. You all ready? And, Jack, you were kind of talking about it. I have the Rays in fourth place, and I have the Whoa. Red Sox in third place. Whoa. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think I got some evidence here, and I, it could turn out completely different. I think the Rays could easily win 95 games. Um, I, I think I'm putting them closer to their floor. I think the Red Sox, I'm putting them closer to their ceiling. I don't think with their pitching limitations, guys coming off injuries, I don't think the ceiling is too high. But uh, or the, I think their ceiling is at 86 wins, which is where I have them. And I have the Rays at 84 wins. Rays lost some huge, huge pieces. Blake Snell, who was their ace, now, I mean, I, I guess Glasnow was kind of their ace. I, I think there's a lot of guys I don't really trust yet in that starting rotation. Charlie Morton, you lost, who's one of your more consistent arms. Uh, Jose Alvarado, you send to Philadelphia. And, you know, I, they're losing a lot of pieces. Uh, they, they got Rich Hill. They got Chris Archer. But those are not guys that are going to replace the guys that they lost. And, yes, I think their bullpen is still good. But your pitching is now going to be middle of the road. You're starting pitching. Your bullpen may be definitely above average. 
And um, I think your offense is middle of the road, if even. Um, so I don't really trust the Rays to be that great this year. With the Red Sox, I think they made a lot of sleepy moves. I think they made a lot of moves that people are sleeping on. Kike Hernandez, probably, in my opinion, the best depth piece available this offseason. He can play basically anywhere. He's a good hitter. He fields very well wherever you put him. I like that. Hunter Renfro, a lot of upside, high-power guy. He could easily go for 30 home runs with enough at-bats. Marwin Gonzalez, a nice depth piece, some very nice moves. And, you know, I haven't even mentioned the fact that Chris Sale, a former Cy Young guy, I believe, is coming back off of injury. I don't know if he's going to be as good, but he's still going to be an ace guy. I was looking through his baseball reference. He's absolutely insane. And I think he can get right back to maybe having a three-something ERA, which is what you want from your ace. Eduardo Rodriguez coming off of the injury as well. And then you got Evaldi. I mean, the Red Sox front three isn't that bad. Their pitching is middle of the road, and their offense is ridiculous. Xander Bogarts, possibly the best shortstop in baseball. I think that there's an argument to be made for that. Devers could be an MVP guy if things really turn out well for him. Um, I think they're a good team. You know, I think re-signing Jackie Bradley is not out of the question. He's still a free agent. Sammy, do that. Sammy, they, gave that. Away, they gave away Jackie Bradley's number. I, I mean, yeah, maybe they, maybe they won't. Somebody else. Okay, and if you could see, if you're watching this on YouTube, by the way, Chatter from the Cheap Seats YouTube, subscribe. You know, you can see that I turned my back on, on Sammy when he was talking about that, and I like to call this the radio caller effect. Okay, I, I have coined this phrase. Whenever somebody says something so astronomically stupid, and I love you, Sammy, I'm not calling you stupid, I'm calling your take stupid. Okay, when, whenever somebody says something as astronomically stupid as, as what my friend here, Sammy, just said, I'm going to call it the, there's no, like, my mind is so blown. There is no, like, right reaction to it. So How, I'm like, going to call this the, the radio caller effect. When somebody says something, I, th I think we should put, you know, I think, I think we should put Brett Gardner. I think Brett Gardner should play third base, you know. Why don't, why don't they move Bryce Hopper behind the plate? He was a catch in the minors. You know, okay. Like, I don't see what's so ridiculous about Sammy, it. The Sammy, Red Sox aren't that bad of a okay. team. Okay, I'm going off. Sammy, how many wins do you have the Red Sox at? With 86 wins. 86 wins. You have the Red Sox with 86 wins. How do you have the Red Sox with 86 wins? They have no pitching. Chris Sale is coming off of Tommy John. Even if he's good, he's going to be on an inning limit. Erod, I mean, he had myocardosis last year. Nathan Ebody is the most injury-prone pitcher in baseball history. Their bullpen sucks. They have two good relievers. Adam Adovino is probably going to get flipped. You know, Kiki Hernandez, who was a depth piece on the Dodgers, who he, I know he will start on most teams. He's he's going to start for them. I mean, the Red Sox are in full rebuild mode. How can you say that they're going to win 86 games? That is so far out of the question. When you said a hot take, I was expecting them I was expecting you to say the Rays were going to, like, lose by, like, two games and, and the Red Sox were going to have, like, like 80 wins at the most. There is no way that – there is no way that this Red Sox team wins 80 games. I am going to lay it all out on the table. Sammy, if the Red Sox win over 81 games – over 80 games, so 81 or more, 80 is a push, 79 or less. If the Red Sox win 81 or more games, I will wear a Red Sox hat for every single day, every single episode uh, 
that we do from the time that the 2021 season is over to the time that the 2022 season starts, I will be rocking a Red Sox cap. Bet. I mean, look, I don't think this is that ridiculous of a take. 86 wins is, I'm not exactly sure, but it's right around where they were in 2019. And when you look at them, they're not that different of a team. In fact, they may be an improved team. The only thing I will say, the Benintendi trade, which we already talked about, confuses me a bit. But I, Franchi Cordero, like I said, a ton of upside. I think if things go well for Boston, I think if they can avoid injuries, which isn't if, I think if Cordero works out, you know, fine, maybe not a superstar, you're still a good team. I mean, the Red Sox, I, I see no reason why they can't win 86. I totally agree that, you know, their floor is probably somewhere around, you know, 72 games. They could easily finish in last place in this division if, you know, injuries hit them and all of that. But I think there's no reason that this Boston Red Sox team can't win 86 games. You're saying they're rebuilding and, you know, I, I kind of maybe, but I don't really see it. Um, with all these signings they made, uh, nice depth pieces that could be starters like Kike and Hunter Renfro, I, I think they're a team that can still sneakily maybe even compete in the AL East. Not really compete, but like get win more than half their games. And that, that's where I am. I, I think it's completely possible for them right, to Let's towel off here. Let's take everybody take a deep breath, okay? You know, yeah, let's I, not get crazy here, so – you know, where were we? You know, so I think we've all talked about our fourth place teams. Have you? I already- talked about my third. Yeah, and, and Sammy, just to go back to your take real quick, why do you have the Rays slipping so much? I, I think, I mean, Blake Snell was a huge, huge part of that team's success. And we have to remember that if the Yankees weren't so injured last year, the Rays would not have won as many games. They would have not won that division. I think that's, I think their record is a little bit inflated from last year because of that. And, you know, they were like a second-place team in 2019, a very good second-place team. But I don't think 84 wins is out of the question for them when they're losing some of their best pitchers in Snell and Morton. Their offense, they didn't really make any moves to bolster the offense. Uh, They lost a few pieces, actually. And um, I don't really see a lot of the guys having huge years. I don't think Lau is going to be the same. I think G-Man Choi is going to be fine. Um, That's kind of my reasoning with the Rays. Once again, I think the Rays are a team that they can make the playoffs again. I don't think they're going to win this division by any means, but they could win 90, 92 games. But I think they're definitely regressing, and it's not really their fault. They're just – they always have these money issues that can't really keep guys that are good and that they have to pay, like Blake Snell. Yeah, okay, okay. I respect that. So now we'll go um, – I guess Sammy already told us his, um, his third-place team, but Jack, tell me yours. Yeah, so I have the Blue Jays as my third-place team. I think I have them at 85 and 77. They're a young, up-and-coming team. I think their lineup is legit. You know, obviously, Vladdy, you know, Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette. They have some legitimate hitters. Oh, yeah. However, I think they're really young, and I don't know how they're going to fare in an 162-game season because we've never really seen them do it in an 162-game season. I think pitching is a huge issue. I think they don't really have – you know, Hyun, Hyun Ryu is a good ace, but he's old. He's up there. He, he's pretty injury prone. He could get hurt. I think, you know, their pitching is not up to standards. Their bullpen is getting better. I think Kirby Yates was a good signing. Delise is a good, good, good move. Uh, Romano is a good piece. I think they're a good up-and-coming team. And I think maybe they have, like, you know, they arri- arrive a year early type of thing. However, 
I'm not really nervous as a Yankee fan of them yet. I think they're still kind of little brother at this point, and I still think that they're not quite there yet. Yeah. Um. So let's see. I get, or did you did you do your third place team? No, I'll do it now. I agree with Jack. Um, Blue Jays made a few nice moves on offense. Um, you know, obviously they had the big signing of George Springer. They also acquired Mark, Marcus Simeon. And then you have these young guys who are just going to keep being better. And so I think they're on the come up, unlike the Rays who are going down, but I still don't think they're going to surpass the Rays this season, but probably next year. Um, again, I just think the the pitching is what does them in. And um, they'll have next year and this year to kind of find their way when it comes to the pitching. But their offense is going to be legit. It's going to be on fire. I have them winning 83 games going just about – just a little bit over 500. Yeah, I um, so I'll move on. I have the Toronto Blue Jays in second place, and I think they're a team that's, you know, I think they're not going to be at their full potential, but I think they're getting there. I think they're a team that can absolutely compete uh, by signing Simeon and Springer, really fleshing out that offense. That tells you all you need to know. They want to compete this year 100%, and they absolutely can. They have a lot of up-and-coming stars, like you guys already talked about, with Vladdy, who I think, I think without maybe focusing as much on playing third base, because uh, he'll be at first, or maybe even DHing some of the time, I think he's going to be able to hit a lot better. I think his ceiling is incredibly high. Uh, guys like Kevon Biggio, uh, Bo Bichette, I think it's a very, it's going to be a very exciting team without a doubt. In the pitching, I think the bullpen, AJ Cole, I like uh, where he could be going. Kirby Yates, good signing, despite a bad 2020. He did. He was one of the best relievers in baseball in 2019. I think the Rays think that, or Blue Jays, excuse me, think that he can get back to that level. And uh, Hyunjoo Ryu, I love him. He's, you know, been one of the more consistent arms past two, three years. So, yeah, I really like what the Blue Jays did this offseason. I have them with 92 wins, 92 and 70 um, I think they're easily good enough to win, to be in second place in this division. Uh, you guys, I guess, have the Rays in second place? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'll start off here. I have the Rays in second place. I have them going 88 and 74. I think that losing Snell and Morton is huge. I think that's a ginormous deal. I think that's yeah. going to hurt a lot. I think Alvarado in the bullpen hurts also. Absolutely. But I think the Flyers on – you know, Michael Waka, Rich Hill on Chris Archer. I think the Rays are going to raise. And one, uh, one out of those three guys is going to have a resurgence and a huge year. I do believe that. I think the Rays develop starting pitching, and the Rays find starting pitching better than any team in the MLB. Yeah. So I think that their, their rotation is still going to be good, and their bullpen is still going to be one of the best in baseball. I mean, their bullpen is insane. So either Rays going 88 and 74. How about you, Ori? Yeah, so I have the Rays going 85 and 77. I agree with you, Jack. I think um, even though they lose Blake Snell, they took a few flyers, and one of them has to hit. I mean, that's just the Rays' way. That's how they've been doing it. That's how they found their success. Um, so I think that's going to be more of the same. And um, because now we know all of our teams up until number one, um, I think we all have the Yankees here. So I guess I'll start it off here on what I think about the Yankees. Um, first of all, I have them going 94 and 66. Um, they're going to have a much improved, um, maybe not a much improved team, but hopefully because they won't face as many injuries, um, it'll be better for them this season. 
Um, I don't know. I just am not completely in love with this starting pitching. Um, and they do have a tough – and th this AL East is very tough. So, you know, playing all those inner division games is going to be difficult for them. But I still have them winning 94 games and winning the division. Yeah, I'll go next with the Yankees. I have them with uh, actually 10 more wins than you have them with. I have the Yankees winning 104 games, and I think they are way above everyone else in this division. I don't think it's even close. I think they're going to kind of beat up on these teams. I think what's going to happen is second, third, and fourth, you know, are going to beat up on each other, you know, Rays, Red Sox, and Blue Jays. And then the Yankees are going to be way above everyone else because they are, if they can stay healthy. I think they did had a gr lot of great moves moves to bolster the rotation. You lose Tanaka, which hurts uh, from a baseball and a personal level. But uh, Tyone, uh, you know, Jack's very sad about Tanaka. But Tyone, yeah. I think, has a lot of upside if he can stay healthy. Kluber, if he can stay healthy, should be a nice guy to be able to throw in there. And, um, you know, Garrett Cole, obviously, has been top three pitcher in baseball, probably. So, I think – the Yankees are a great team, and then this offense is just absolutely ridiculous. And if you can get a full year of Judge and, like, a full year of, like, one of the other stars, the Yankees will be absolutely set to win 100-plus games. But you got to make sure these guys are healthy. That's been a huge issue. I mean, that's a huge factor. If the Yankees can stay healthy, they're the second-best team in baseball, I think almost without a doubt. So uh, it's unfortunate, though, because they haven't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. If they do, 104 wins is what they're going to get in my book. <laughs> Jack, you are I had the Yankees at 95 wins. I had the Yankees at 95 and 67. Now, that may also seem low, but that it is not because I don't think they're the second-best team in baseball. I do think they're the second-best team in baseball, but I think at this point, you have to factor injuries in. I think it's been two years of, like, nonstop, like, almost, like, unbelievable injuries like almost like not normal like it is not normal the <laughs> amount of injuries this team gets now I think that there were going to be injuries last year Eric Cressy the Yankees training guy who best in the business they hired last year said that there were going to be injuries because it is his first year implementing his plan so I, I wouldn't be shocked if there weren't as many injuries this year just because you know this is his second year uh, as the Yankees training staff guy I think he's going to make a big difference but I think the reason I have two main factors for the reason why I have their their win total so low. I think one is like I just said the injuries, and I think the other is the Yankees will be winning by such a high margin they'll be up by like six seven games going into the last couple of weeks of the season that I think they're going to kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit and sort sort of prepare for the playoffs, especially with the amount of injury prone guys that they have on their team. Maybe they rest guys a little bit more than they 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 normally do. You know, I think that if this team wins 100-plus games, I would not be surprised whatsoever. Yeah. I think they can stay healthy. I don't think you would be surprised either, Ori, if they stayed healthy and won 100-plus games, you know? No, if they stayed, if they stayed healthy, if they stayed like, healthy. Yeah, they're still talent-wise the second-best team in baseball, in my opinion, better than the Padres. Uh, now, I also think that they took, a couple of, they took a couple of coin flips. I think if Tyone, if one out of – two of Tyone and Kluber hit if one of them hits their full potential I think they have a top five rotation in baseball yeah well I, I mean, think one of them is their full potential I mean their yeah full I think is with, with obviously Garrett Cole the second best pitcher in baseball uh Corey Kluber uh Tyone Davey and Monty especially with the depth of Clark Schmidt and Domingo Herman and when Seve comes back I think that they're going to start they might start him out of the bullpen at first to build him back up 
But I think that he will be the number two pitcher come playoff time. So I what think is, you have what? – What is Seve's schedule as of now for coming back? I think they, they said, like, late summer. But I think that's, that's encouraging ultra, as well. ultra conservative just because, you know, with all the, the backlash that the Yankees have gotten with giving the – um giving the, the timelines and not hitting, I think that's ultra conservative. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in July, like early, mid-July. I wouldn't be shocked. I think a realistic time, time frame is early, mid-July for him. I think – and when you think of this team in the playoffs, if you have Cole, Sevy, and then flip a coin, whoever's healthier or better between Tyone and Kluber as your playoff rotation, that's a damn good rotation. Oh, yeah. Davey, Monty, Herman to the pen, and I think all three of those guys' stuff – especially Davey and, and Domingos, I think their stuff translates really well to the pen, and I think that's a dangerous rotation in bullpen come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge factor too. I mean, if you can get Seve back, and which it seems like you will, and if he is good, that's huge. I mean, because his upside or his you know potential is ridiculous if he can stay healthy. Um, that would be huge, especially come playoff time. Uh, if you could have all of those guys healthy and, you know, you hit on either Kluber or Tyone, the Yankees are definitely one of the best teams in baseball. And I think they'll probably end up, I mean, and for me, if they can stay healthy, they'll probably be the most uh, winning team in baseball. Because when you think about it, the Padres and the Dodgers are just going to beat up on each other a lot. So I don't think they'll, they might not even pass the 100 game mark. Uh, if the Yankees can stay healthy, though, I think they're enough above these other teams in the AL East to surpass 100 wins. Um, but that does wrap it up for our AL East preview. We will be back next week for the NL East, so stay tuned uh, for the NL East if you're a Nationals fan, because I, a lot of people listening probably are Nationals. That fans. NL East is going to be a doozy. It's, that is going to be a – I think you could probably put – Almost any of the team. I mean, Marlins and Phillies, maybe not, but like, maybe. Like, you could probably put any of the teams. You could put, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Let's move on now to to some more somber news in basketball. You know, Anthony Davis, he re injured his Achilles. And this is worst case scenario for the Lakers. You know, the regular season doesn't matter. They're going to make the playoffs, probably going to be the one seed, you know, going to make a deep playoff run and, and be there in the NBA finals again. But, you know, this is, this is scary because if, if he's not able to go come playoff time, and I don't know if it's that serious. I don't know the severity of it. I know he was getting an MRI today. But if he's not available to be 100%, that's a huge problem. Yeah, Anthony Davis is obviously LeBron's most important guy in the Lakers, especially how he's been playing as of late. But Anthony Davis is so important to this team. Just the dynamic he brings. Because when you have him and LeBron on the floor at the same time, they're the best team in the NBA, without a doubt. It's so hard to stop. Um, you know, the Bulls have played the Lakers twice. I've watched it. I've watched us get dominated by those two guys. So it's really hard to stop. Him being hurt is a pretty big blow. And you say they're going to be the one seed, but I don't know. Like, uh, you, we're going to talk about this also in just a few minutes, but the Jazz aren't looking like they're going to be the one seed. And I, we're still early in the year, but they are looking very, very good right now. Uh, they have won their last seven games, and they are, they're coming off another win streak of, like, maybe eight or nine. So they're the hottest team in the league, and they're looking like they're for real. And I'll ask you guys, do you guys think the Utah Jazz are for real? Because they're obviously a very well-built team. 
Um, they're obviously very hot, but do you think they can sustain some level of this? Maybe top four seed or maybe even one seed, or do you think they'll fall off at some point later in the year? I mean, you know, you said it, Sammy. They're built very, very well. Yeah. Um, and the Jazz have just been playing extremely good basketball. There, there's no doubt about it. They've been playing incredibly well, and I think that – you know, if they keep this level of play, they are legit. There, there's no doubt about it in my eyes. Um, whether they can sustain it for a full season, whether they can sustain it through the playoffs, those are things I don't know. Um, and those are things that only time will tell. But I feel like they're built well enough. They have the talent. Um, they have the coaching. I mean, they can do it. I think they are legit. I definitely think they are legit. I think they can definitely be a 3-4 seed in the Western Conference. I don't know if they can compete for a championship just because I think the Eastern Conference is stacked with the 76ers, the Nets, and the Bucks. I think the, the, Eastern Conference. the bottom of the Eastern Conference is scary. <laughs> yeah, I think um, that's it's true. That. That, that's really true. Yeah, But, but um, I, I think there's so many good teams. I don't know if they're going to be able to compete. And the Suns, I mean, they've, they've built it right. They're starting to turn the ship and, and get out of the rebuild period in Phoenix. I mean, six straight oh, yeah. wins. They are out of the rebuild uh, period in Phoenix, without a doubt, because you have a lot of guys playing good basketball and a lot of guys. Um, the Suns, I think, are a team that kind of tanked. Uh, and, you know, DeAndre Ayton, there was the number one overall draft pick. And he's playing probably the best basketball he's played in his career. The scoring, maybe not what you want, but 12.4 rebounds per game. Absolutely ridiculous. Chris Paul has been good, 8.2 assists per game. Booker's being the leading scorer that he's supposed to be, averaging almost 25. And you have guys off the bench that are really producing. Miles Bridges, uh, he's a starter, but you know you got Jay Crowder, who is a, an addition this offseason. I like that a lot. And then you got Cameron Johnson, a draft pick recently. He's been playing great. So the Suns, uh, kind of like the Jazz, are a team that's done the rebuild correctly, and it's really starting to come to fruition. Um, I think they can, you know, I definitely had them making the playoffs this year. I think I maybe even underrated them a little bit. I had them at like the seven seed, I think. I think they could maybe even win uh, home court advantage for the first round with a, a seed one through four. So Suns are an exciting team. Jazz are an exciting team. But with that, we are unfortunately, we're, we're done for the day. Unfortunately and, is correct. Yeah, it was a fun episode, lots of stuff going on. and. We can't wait. We're kind of football ended. Baseball's about to start. Basketball's going on. So it's um, I'm very excited for baseball season. And of course, the NFL offseason, lots of lots of different things to watch and unexpected stuff is definitely going to happen. JJ Watt already happened. That was unexpected. So lots of fun stuff coming up. Uh, Ori, any last words here today? No, just want to say thank you guys for listening and interacting with us. It's uh, really been a pleasure to uh, do this podcast with you, Jack, and Sammy. So, uh, yeah, it's been a fun one, and hopefully we can get more of these uh, MLB predictions, and yeah. maybe Sammy's crazy takes will be right or wrong. Who knows? Hey, I, I think the Red Sox oh. are too bad. Oh, they will be wrong. But, you know, when is it never a fun episode with us three? We're a bundle of joy. We always are, always will be, always have been. That is not the correct order of those that saying. However, you know, we always have a great time. Check out our other episodes. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok. Chatter from the Cheap Seats on Instagram, easy. Uh, chatter underscore Cheap Seats pod on TikTok. 
and we'll be back. We'll be back every Monday night. You know, maybe we'll push it twice a week once summer starts, but you know, we haven't had those discussions yet, but what a fantastic episode. We're going to have a fantastic episode next week and the week after. So make sure you keep tuning in and Ori, take us out. Bye. Bye.